Hello to all my lovely listeners and fans of the footballing fraternity. A very warm welcome back to your favorite football podcast, Gaffer's Advisor. This episode is not going to be about the Premier League or the UEFA Champions League. It is not about the international break and the FIFA World Cup qualifiers either. Those updates are available regularly on the Gaffer's Advisor Instagram page and you can follow there for more content. But today's episode is all about a club from North London, a club that is trying its hardest to get rid of the tag of the underdogs, a club that wants to evolve from a cup team to a Premier League winning club to a Champions League winning club and they came oh so close in the 2019 final as well. Yes, I am talking about Tottenham Hotspur Football Club and to talk about the club, we are going to be joined by a very special guest. He has been a Spurs faithful for more than the past decade and a half. A guy who was attracted to the club by Robbie Keane and his heroics in the World Cup of 2002, and he became a Spurs fan and the Spurs spirit never left his heart. A guy who is a dear friend, a friendly rival, a banter partner. I'm pleased to welcome Spurs faithful Robin Abraham. Welcome to the show Robin you're now an honorary gaffer's advisor congratulations i hope you're doing well and are ready to talk about your favorite football club tottenham hotspur especially after your latest 3-1 win over west ham before the international break came in how are you feeling about that thank you sidar it's great to be uh, in your podcast and looking forward to this uh, talk of us Uh, yeah i'm a little pumped uh, after our last victory we broke that uh, tandem of loss win loss win kind of after con- uh, after getting this consecutive uh, victories hope it continues yeah i mean i was i was uh, following the spurs and i was actually looking at the the trend that was uh, kind of coming in one win one loss one victory and one loss and you actually lost uh, to a lot of uh, you know teams that was that was shocking defeats to be honest Yep, yep. There, there was one against Middlesbrough, which we were expected to win. That was the FA Cup. That was the FA Cup fifth round. Yes, yes. Yep, yes. yep. That was like something that Conte could have driven us through a long, like you know, deep into the competition. Then we lost against after defeating City. We lost against Burnley. So, so it was exactly. it was a lot of games that we were expected to win, but then yeah, it just wasn't our day that day. Okay so I'll 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 begin with my first question to you that that's the first official question that I wanted to ask you so Spurs finished second in 2016-2017 third in the next season fourth in season 2018-19 sixth in the covid hit season which Liverpool won seventh in the last season and currently you're sitting at fifth right you're tied in a battle for the top 4 and Uh, judging by the continuous decline since 2016-17 from second to seventh and you know the current season ongoing so what would you say are the chances of seeing champions league football next season at the new tottenham hotspur stadium uh right now i i i would say it is uh, still up in the air and uh, uh, if i am to think from my mind and not from my heart i would say the chances are less than 50% to be absolutely frank we never expected it to be this season that we'll be bouncing back into uh, the champions league so 
fifth is the most optimistic i have been personally from uh like you know uh, looking at the start of the season how we started off recruiting uh, espirito santo and uh, all those things happened but yeah uh, with conte on our side anything can happen so it's like a fingers crossed situation right now closely watching how you guys like united and uh, arsenal perform in these uh, couple of weeks or uh, not couple of weeks maybe like you know 10 weeks yep 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 10 match weeks to go so uh, match week 30 has just gone by match week 31 has begun uh, almost beginning so yes 10 match weeks to go for you and there are clubs like arsenal who have games in hand as well so you never yep. know what's what's going to happen what turns around and uh, premier league all obviously it's it's the most unpredictable league in europe if not in the world so you never know what what comes up because we have seen uh, we have seen uh, seasons in the past uh, where teams were leading at the time of christmas and they were they were having a significant amount of point difference sitting at the top of the table and then ended up you know uh, giving away that position and, and ended up losing the league eventually as well and twice this has happened with liverpool if i'm not wrong yep yep exactly and and even for for that matter even in this season uh like if we had taken the first 20 weeks uh, almost every one of us would have predicted a uh, city is going to win it in a canter because of the kind of lead they had but then uh, they started to wobble and right now it's like neck to neck liverpool is breathing it's down it's the it's neck a, so anything can happen as you it's said it's a one point difference it's a one point difference between city and liverpool and uh, they both have a match which in which they play against each other so that could be a game changer for both of them That's yep, that's yep. like title that, that on the line the in that match. Itself. That's that's title on the line in the match itself. It's like a final for the Premier League. Yep. But talking <laughs> about Spurs, so uh, we talked about the Premier League and uh, the chances of Champions League football. But uh, coming to Europe, from competing in the final of the UCL in 2019, losing out to Liverpool, to getting eliminated from the Europa Conference League group stage in the ongoing season, after you won just two matches. and uh, lost to clubs like Mura and Vitesse so what would you say can be the possible reasons behind such a behind behind that performance i mean you've been doing consistently okay and well and as well you know there have been glimpses of brilliance in the premier league but europa conference league what happened what went wrong there yes yeah, so so uh, as you had uh, started off like our descent started right after uh, somewhere uh, uh, after uh, i would say the 2018 in the europa league it's like a feedback loop that happens right so thursday matches affect our weekend performances and we weekend performances suffer and we finish lower in the league and i i was just seeing like the financial differential between europa league and the champions league and the kind of prospects you can attract that also has an impact on how you are going to perform next year so it's a, it's a feedback loop that spirals downwards and only in one direction so uh, that happened and ultimately we landed up in some uh, conference league uh, i still thought yeah there was a possibility of a trophy over here but then it was not to be and uh, the like our uh, search for a manager if we can call it that was laughable like you know we searched for 3 months and, and uh, hired someone who was totally an antithesis to our philosophy and how we wanted or the fans wanted to play uh, and uh, then we sacked him out 10 games into his tenure or 16 games into his tenure 10 uh, 
Premier League games. So, uh, uh, and in the midst of all of that, uh, frankly, even I didn't notice that we went out. Like uh, it was COVID, and then we were not allowed to play against Ren and things, uh, things like that. But in the midst of all the other noises, it felt rather insignificant and inconsequential. But yeah, hoping uh, things take a turn for the better. So managerial changes aside, like uh, we'll we'll come back to the managerial changes that Tottenham has made over the past few seasons. Uh, coming back to what you said about uh, the investment in the new stadium and uh, uh, also the the radio silence in the transfer window without any imposed ban. Of course, we will talk about that as well. But talking about the stadium that you said, uh, leaving White Hart Lane, going to Wembley for a while, and uh, then coming to the new stadium. So. are the players really feeling like the home field advantage anymore because white hart lane was the home for tottenham for so long and then a change at wembley and uh, you guys stayed at wembley for more than a season more than a year yep yep and uh, i think as soon as the players started getting a little comfortable with the with with wembley again the stadium changed and do you think it has got something to do with affecting the morale or the mindset or the psyche of the players Yeah, I I definitely think there was uh, something in the White Hart Lane that uh, was uh, driving the team. Like I I'm able to feel it seeing uh, like I've never been to the White Hart Lane. I'm seeing it from a television screen, but I'm able to feel it right. So there's something that players obviously would feeling uh, would would be feeling. And one thing one ma- uh, primary thing about White Hart Lane is it it was a small ground. Some thirty five or thirty five thirty six or thousand folks would sit over there. But uh, what I liked about it it was super small and. the it was so close to the pitch that uh, the supporters could breathe down the players neck right so that is the kind of home pressure that was built in that stadium and uh, in the last season that we had uh, at white hart lane like we did not lose a match so it was some it was a great farewell and uh, good things come to an end and uh, we we chose that so uh, yeah losing white hart lane was a big uh, Uh, loss for us at least in terms of morale and wembley like despite its 90000 kind of uh, capacity it it was never the same for us especially like you know uh, those used to come in white hart lane not all of them came to wembley and uh, it felt a little hollow uh, the sound was not coming through i could not hear the chants as strongly as i could hear them in white hart lane so players must have felt felt that and as they were getting used to it uh, the new stadium came up the new stadium is fantastic and i i love it uh, the acoustics are great i can hear the sound and all but i still think the emotional attachment that was built for over a century in white hart lane was something else and uh, for the new stadium to match it despite all the new technology and the 21st century setup that they have over here it'll take it'll uh, still take some time but i like uh, i totally love the the, uh, <clears throat> the single stand that we have in the tottenham hotspur stadium right now it's really noisy it's it's really lively but yeah hoping f- uh, for better things in future but yeah miss white hart lane every single match no i totally i totally can understand that i mean uh, nobody nobody in this world who follows the premier league can imagine manchester united playing anywhere except old trafford or liverpool playing anywhere except uh, the anfield or for 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 that matter chelsea playing anywhere outside of stamford bridge 
so i mean yeah the essence of a club kind of lies in the stadium their home stadium that's why it is called as the home advantage so no i get that uh new stadium new fields uh you're absolutely right that it will take some time for the essence to come back if it does and i hope it does because it was it was actually a treat to watch uh, tottenham hotspur playing at the white hart lane it was it used to be such such an honor to watch them grace the the, the sport of football i mean the free flowing football that we used to watch and love by tottenham it's kind of been missing in the in the recent few years but uh talking about the splurging on the new stadium so if instead of going for the new stadium if uh, i would say diverted the money towards something else so what would you say apart from the transfers and the players what would you say is an area where the club could have done something to improve the on field performances um can it be a back staff can it be any other personnel in the management room a manager's assistant or a director of football some some changes or would you think renovating white hart lane itself would have been a better thing there are a lot of hypotheticals here uh, and uh, definitely we have, most of our supporters have thought uh, at one uh, at uh, one uh, one point or the other regarding like you know what would have happened if we still had the white hart lane and diverted the cash towards something else right so uh, uh, if we break it down from right from the training so in enfield we have a really splendid training ground so i don't think uh, we need an upgrade over there and uh, even international teams when they come down to england uh, they like for example brazil team used it uh, as their training ground for the euro uh, not euros i think uh, for some of the international matches that uh, was played so uh, I, so yeah that is not an area of improvement as for me uh then if we look at the transfers yes there could have been but yeah probably we can talk about it in some time in terms of backroom stuff it's interesting because i i often feel that there have been a bit longish kind of a repetitive uh, a lot of repetitive injuries at our club so that's definitely physios or uh, the health staff or uh, the the folks who check i i even don't know what the what would be the designation of those people but uh, i feel that is an area of improvement because uh, for example harry kane's ankle has been troubling him for like 7 8 years so uh, not 7 8 years maybe like 5 years if we take a more recent example ryan sesenyo uh, he has been getting the hamstring injuries ever since he has been at the club so uh, those are the kind of thing uh, that make me question yeah is there a scope of improvement in that particular field no that actually makes sense that actually makes a lot of sense because uh, we have we have a lot of uh, examples throughout the history of football that many talented many upcoming players had to give up their careers or you know were forced into an early retirement because of a persistent injury that kept cropping up again and again and again and affect, and, and it kept affecting their performances and you know their morale or their self confidence and their gameplay just declined and we have seen that throughout the history of football but uh, yeah that's that's a valid point uh, that can be looked into but again like you said it's a big hypothetical and let's see what happens if if they can hear your voice and uh, they see something uh, missing there and maybe they can bring in that change thanks to you 
so that that remains for the time to tell but coming to uh, the managerial changes so you talk about pochettino when the rebuild of the club started when pochettino came in and he is the man who took you to that uh, ucl final the champions league final in 2019 with virtually zero spend on fresh players before that season and then he got sacked in november of 2019 itself being replaced by jose mourinho and then nuno espirito santo came in before finally antonio conte took charge so with these managerial changes like pochettino to uh, mourinho to uh, conte uh, sorry to espirito santo and then to conte so these changes the inconsistency in the performances that started in 2019 it still seems to continue so do you feel antonio conte is the man who can end this run of inconsistencies and can bring that stability back that uh, pochettino had managed to achieve or do you think there's going to be another man who's more responsible or more fit for the job uh to be frank uh, antonio conte was a dream signing and i like uh, i would partly attribute it to ole <laughs> because he right after the uh, man united loss that we had earlier this season uh something went into levy and uh, he was able to he and paratici was able to convince uh, conte the same person that they could not convince the uh, earlier in the summer to join the club so uh, that's a dream scenario and something totally that i didn't see coming and that's it uh i totally in terms of pure objective caliber there is no one better than conte to handle the current situation yeah, and improve the team for the good but uh, if i was a bit more realistic and in the, the 3 month long search that was happening for uh, our coach after we had sacked mourinho uh one name that stood out to me or was my personal choice uh, uh, you know top of my wish list was graham potter because i liked the way brighton played and i i thought uh, like you know after mourinho we needed some someone who was a antithesis of uh, mourinho's football philosophy and his personality right no, nothing against mourinho he is totally great and like i thought we would have be uh, having a much worse relationship than we actually have right now with mourinho after his tenure at the club but i thought uh, graham potter was a great fit his career in sweden and like you know how he progressed from swansea to brighton and the way he plays and he was from premier league so he was a safe bet for me but yeah i'm i'm not for a second i'm saying that he should have been managing instead of conte uh conte is here is a dream and all behind him for this performance that uh, you know that uh, he can deliver at uh, spurs all right so but uh, you're talking about graham potter you're talking about how he has worked with brighton and you know you read about his uh, career in sweden and everything but you guys got nuno espirito santo as well who had done wonders with wolverhampton wanderers you know how well wolves have been play- had been playing under under espirito santo and you see how wolves are languishing after uh, nuno espirito left what went wrong with nuno espirito and spurs like that that combination just did not work out one thing that definitely stood out were like uh, in terms of personality nuno was a totally a great lad like you know he was very 
warm and he was able to you know talk to the players heart to heart and things like that he was giving really good press conferences frank and open he handled the harry kane situation really well in ter- at least in press after this uh, after the summer he he was great that way but purely in terms of footballing approach he had a bit more defensive mindset and in that way despite his absolute antithesis uh, to mourinho in terms of personality uh, he was a very similar personal uh, person to mourinho in terms of how he thought about football in fact i think he played even under mourinho uh, sometime when he was in porto so uh, that way we were not evolving and then uh, uh, we played our best football under pochettino in the recent past and that was high pressing high energy and you know uh, you know taking the initiative at in our hands and playing our kind of football rather than uh, mourinho's more measured reactive kind of philosophy and uh, uh, nuno was from mourinho's school of thought in my book so that was one primary point and the second point was uh, maybe like uh, after 3 months of search after uh, names like uh, conte and ten hag and all those like even uh, ralf ragnick at some point uh, then hasen hudel not hasen hudel uh, the uh, nagelsman the uh, before he went to munich after all those names nuno did seem a little underwhelming <laughs> to be frank and then uh, if we think like that the players also might have thought like that and that might have brushed up uh, into their performance no that's that's absolutely right i mean if you if you talk about names like uh, ten hag if you talk about names like conte if you talk about names like uh, julian nagelsmann uh, then definitely nuno spirito conte no disrespect to the man no disrespect to whatever he has done at wolves he has been great with that squad but uh, yeah i mean it 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 does sound underwhelming so uh, talking about conte like you're saying it's a dream signing for you but conte's track record has not been of you know a long term serving manager so he has not exactly held a position of a manager for an elongated period of time with a club so if conte leaves in the upcoming season or the season after that then what would you say who would you say you would like to see coming in to handle the reins at tottenham hotspur I uh, yeah definitely a part of uh, having Conte as a manager is knowing for a fact that he won't be here for long uh but uh, the flip side is uh, the there's a like whichever club he manages he leaves uh, uh, the systems and you know uh, the benefits uh, of his training is uh, long there after his departure right so so that is something that i look forward to like uh, chelsea or uh, inter milan all of them still were are are performing uh, at a high level after his departure the season immediately after uh, his departure so that is something that we are looking forward to but uh, in terms of uh, him leaving after him if we take graham potter out of the scene uh, i would say someone like a hasan hotel does interest me because like he is from the same school of thought and like maybe it he's just too similar to pochettino and we if he can replicate something and build upon what conte pochettino have done has done before him so maybe we can do better things in future but yeah that 
I am this is me being super realistic I'm not giving any super high high end names I'm saying what is possible and uh, Hassan Hootel definitely looks like a guy who can do well at Spurs No that's that's definitely true I mean uh, every club should go for a man who matches their philosophy who matches the style of play who understands what the club stands for and understands what the fans feel so uh, definitely that fit is required because if you go for high profile names if you go for marquee signings even if in terms of managers they seldom you know uh, end up uh, end up you know working well for the club for example you can you can see manchester united so many manager changes in uh, the past ever since uh, the great man sir alex ferguson left there have been immense amount of changes they have brought in some huge names for example louis van hal they brought in uh, Jose Mourinho himself but none of those fit work out worked out for them and right now they're they're still you know uh, in the stage of having in having a caretaker manager in the interim in 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 the form of Ralph Rangnick and they're still looking for a new manager who can actually you know follow or lead on that philosophy that was left behind in 2013 which is about to be now 10 years behind um but you mentioned or when you talked about conte you mentioned chelsea and inter milan that you know they continued on their path to success even after conte left because he had left the system back in place before leaving but chelsea got thomas tuchel and inter milan has simon inzaghi both great managers both great people both know how to win trophies and how to perform and how to excel so um both your examples of the clubs where conte left and the clubs have been on a path to success but the the successors uh, are not exactly small names they know what they're doing so how much of a credit would you give to conte in those terms yeah so uh, and if you just extend that example a bit more uh, his uh, club prior to that was juventus right so Uh, all the clubs that he has managed is like 100% on route to success so maybe uh, tottenham would be his black sheep or he would make uh, tottenham uh, like the others he, uh, he has done uh, prior to this so yep <laughs> i am as interested in, in finding out as anyone else all right all right okay so uh, we have talked about the performances that uh, spurs put in spurs used to put in or you know under pochettino and how you're hoping to see the same performances back under conte and you know if he leaves the leaves the system in place and you know following him so on and so forth but if we talk about the goal scoring uh, one aspect of the performances if we talk about just the goal scoring in all competitions this season for tottenham harry kane leads the charts for spurs which is no surprise followed by hyung min son again no surprise but the source of goals on the third place is own goals by the competitors by the opponents of tottenham zuma becoming the latest entry this heavy reliance on just two players and the reliance on mistakes made by your competitors is this really a worrisome sign for the club that you don't have a third regular goal scoring source Uh, yes and no i would say uh, one thing is like uh, ever since uh, the 2017-18 season probably uh, since the decline of uh, dele and uh, uh, after erickson left the goals have been rather skewed with uh, son and kane 
and uh, like uh, and it's no surprise that they are the you know historically the best pair in terms of uh, scoring goals in pl but uh, yes it's very skewed uh, with both of them and uh, kulusevski is a looks to be a great pros- since january he's already uh, contributed in a couple of goals and more than 3 4 assists so yeah so there is progress made in that regard but yeah there's a lot more that needs to be done and one primary thing that we need to do we need to sort uh, out this summer uh, is uh, we need a backup striker or someone who will fill in for kane because having no backup striker is not an option going forward and like uh, apart from uh, maybe fernando lorente i don't uh, see anyone since uh, as a credible backup striker since probably uh, kane was a backup striker to uh, adebayor and soldado and soldado was not a f- great f- first uh, first striker also but uh, yeah since those times uh, there wasn't a great uh, backup striker at tottenham so that is something that we need to sort out and uh, probably conte has figured something some sort of a model to get us till the end of this season but we really need to uh, make uh, this our priority signing uh, in uh, the summer and uh, talking about uh, own goals uh, actually i will take goals anyway they come in and uh, probably it is a prospect of uh, facing kane and son that terrifies uh, the likes of zuma and i think before him rodiger or all those great center forwards who have been giving us own goals yeah you you're forgetting the most expensive defender oh, yeah. in the premier league history <laughs> maguire you're forgetting that man <laughs> So yeah, I mean, he he has joined the likes of Zuma <laughs> in providing own goals to Spurs. So uh, somewhere or the other, you can you can actually thank the defenders of Premier League uh, for <laughs> the goals that Spurs have been scoring. And uh, talking, you you're talking about Harry Kane. Uh, uh, you know, he is the leading striker, and how he definitely is a force to be reckoned with. And he recently broke the Premier League record of all-time away goals. and his total tally now stands at 178 goals so do you realistically see him breaking alan shearer's premier league record of 260 league goals wayne rooney could not break that record do you think harry kane can do it i definitely think he has uh, uh, the talent the discipline the will power and even the age to, uh, age uh, on his side of, to get to this landmark it's it's not going to be easy but he has all in his bag to get it there but then he needs to sort out a couple of things before that the first thing is as you, as you mentioned about wayne rooney uh you know wayne rooney was too good for his uh, like he was so good in so many different positions that he was not often played as the you know final striker center forward where he was the best most effective right he was good in multitude of other positions so that is the problem yeah, kane also has he is the best number 9 and he is the best number 10 at spurs right and probably england for that matter so that's uh, uh, so if he's not going to pl- uh, play at the number 9 position the number of goals he's going to score is suffer the next thing is i i think i bought up earlier is his ankle injury it keeps him out for something like uh, roughly 4 to 5 weeks every season and the 4 to 5 weeks matter if you are uh, 
chasing uh, you know world records like uh, uh, almost impossible world records like th- those uh, created by Alan Shearer and then uh, other thing is definitely he should stay in England to break that record and uh, uh, Daniel Levy has been famous for not selling uh, uh, his key players to the uh, direct opposition like he did with Modric he was he was not allowed to go to Chelsea and then he ended up in Real Madrid and it did fantastically there so if something like that uh, Daniel Levy has in mind for Kane in case he doesn't uh, sign an extension then again Kane is not going to break this record but yeah there is a lot of ifs and buts but yeah there is no doubt in his talent and the willpower and the discipline to do it it's all about the other variables that uh, uh, you know is going to, uh, that's going to impact his final score like you said there are a lot of ifs and buts involved there are a lot of hypotheticals involved here but uh, let's assume harry kane stays in england he stays with spurs if not with any other club like you said daniel levy has a philosophy of not letting his key players go to direct competitors uh, although uh, clubs like manchester city manchester united would definitely love to take harry kane off your hands what would you say are the realistic chances of that elusive shearer record being broken by your own hurricane named hurricane yeah so uh, yeah so i'm i'm assuming that we play him in number 9 position we find a great number 10 to support him so that is the one assumption i'm taking over here and if we just look at it from a stats point of view he has uh, something like uh, 60 and 20 so he has roughly 80 goals Uh, to reach that landmark and he is right now 28 running on 29 so so he has about uh, maybe 3 4 years in top of his game so he he, he will need to score roughly uh, you know 25 season to hit 75 so that's the kind of performance that he will need to get but otherwise yeah there is always going to be that uh, 34 to uh, yeah, 35 kind of an age where he can always uh, chip in something like 10 to 12 goals and still continue towards the record so yeah so uh, he will need to score 20ish kind of goals for the next 4 5 seasons which i don't think is unlikely because he has already done that uh, i think 3 times in the last 5 years so yeah as i said it, it is definitely possible and from even from a you know purely objective statistical standpoint uh, if given he pay, plays till the age of 35 36 it is definitely possible but yeah i the biggest thing is the rooney problem that's the reason that's the primary reason uh, rooney uh, did not break the record and that would be probably the reason harry kane also do, won't be able to break okay so you're already talking about possible reasons why harry kane won't be able to break the record yes yes uh, yeah so I, I i'm saying if i i'm taking a big assumption and saying that if this assumption is not there then he will break but i know that's right. not going to happen because he's just too good in other positions all right i get that i get that so uh, you're talking about if uh, you guys get a backup striker for kane then maybe kane will be able to play full time in the number 9 position in the center forward position and get those goals which are required for him to break that record right Yes so also not not exactly a backup striker but uh, more like someone in the Ericsson mold 
so robin you were saying uh, that you need to acquire someone who can operate behind harry kane in that number 10 position who can provide him with goals so that you know he can go on and touch the stars and so uh, in speaking so if i may but uh, tottenham acquired a fair few players in the recent transfer window but only a handful of those are playing on a somewhat regular basis with the likes of brian gill and pepe sar going on loan spurs have been quite similar in their activity in the last few transfer windows as well so i mean you yourself talked about that 18 month long radio silence where you basically did not acquire any players so what would you say is the reason behind this transfer strategy if there is strategy at all so uh, of the two transfers that you had mentioned papesar and brian hill i think uh, one is around 20 years old and the other is 18 years old so they were either ways meant to be a uh, long term prospects and they're doing well fairly well in the loan in terms of the more recent acquisitions uh, kulzevski and uh, romero oh, sorry not romero uh, bentancur from juventus have been really effective in terms of uh, their impact on the first team and they have been playing regularly so uh, uh, kulu has been able to keep uh, mora out of the team so that uh, that's a strength to a bench and uh, uh, bentancur has been able to keep uh, harry wings uh, on the bench right so they have been doing their uh, transfers like uh, their roles really well and uh, the uh, the summer transfer of uh, romero uh, has been, like i i really think he's an elite level center back and uh, getting him for the price they got him around 40 45 million uh, is really good business so yeah these were the successes but it's not to say that we have no failures for example even the same window uh, we have also purchased uh, like you know uh bought golini in on loan and he hasn't really clicked we are still looking for the successor to loris and uh, in fact w- w- what has ended up happening is we have extended loris contract by a couple of uh, years and he's doing good but then yeah we still need an answer for our future and in terms of the other transfers uh, uh, like we had in the prior windows for giovanni lucelso Tangi and Dembele all these guys have been sent back on one loan or the other exactly i was thinking about lo celso i was thinking about emerson royal as well yep so yep these, uh, players, uh, these players haven't really clicked for you so uh, emerson royal was probably a buy which was uh meant for a different manager and ended up playing for a different manager so he is decent uh in a back four situation and uh, like his time at real betis was like he was uh, known to be a more defensively solid than an offensive uh, contr- uh, you know wing back uh, as a co- offensive contributor and he has been but uh, like if we see whom he has been replacing he has replaced orier uh, in terms but yeah uh, offensively he is not exactly what conte wants so yeah that, that that could have been a better signing there could have been a better better signing over there i totally agree to that so um as a spurs fan and assuming that uh, manager antonio conte stays he doesn't leave in the next uh, season or the season after that he stays for let's say at least two more seasons so uh, 
just going by those assumptions what would you say are your immediate requirements in terms of uh, signings which positions do you need players for and which players do you see becoming a great fit for tottenham and for antonio conte in those positions yeah so uh, one uh, glaring uh, you know hole in our squad is a left center uh, uh, left footed center back so we have been playing davis over there and he has that role in wales so that helps but essentially his core role over a huge portion of his career was a left back a defensive left back uh, to be specific so he's uh, playing the role of a center back and there is an upgrade possible over there and uh, spurs haven't had uh, had a left footed center back since vertonghen left so each of all of our uh you know 100% center backs like you know uh, who play center backs as the only position are right footed so that's a glaring hole in our squad so that needs to be fulfilled and uh, there are options out there uh, like my personal favorite is pau torres and he like i've seen him play for spain and i think villarreal so uh, he is really good uh but I, i'm not sure if he'll be coming in uh, he might have eyes because Uh, left-footed center backs are of high value in today's market, but yeah, there is uh, always uh, Bastoni, uh, Romagnoli, and these are all uh, Italian left-footed center backs who are at and around that 25, 26 kind of an age, so or or younger. So, uh, if Paratici can work their magic and fill this hole in our squad, that is the top priority, right? So that is one. second one is definitely the backup striker to kane or the like we even don't know if kane would be staying here next season or the season after that so or to take take up the role of kane himself so uh, at least a backup striker one position is something that we have to fill on priority this season and uh, personally I, i like i like alexander isak uh, what he has been doing at uh, sociedad a uh, real sociedad but uh, i'm not sure if he will be available he has a longish kind of a contract but he's young and he's my choice and there are the uh, the clubs looking at him uh, there is a like uh, if we are going for a bit more established option over there uh, i like peter shaik uh, and uh, i think he is in uh, freiburg or russia uh, i'm not able to collect uh, which uh, bundesliga team he is in but yeah i like him and he has that uh, you know all the attributes of taking up the role from kane uh, in case kane leaves uh, and even playing uh, you know along with him so yeah these are my options like you know top top priority but uh, yeah. patrick patrick shik patrick shik uh, he he plays for uh, leverkusen Leverkusen. Leverkusen, yes, yes, yes. I yep. was he, not able to get that he, name. Yeah, he's with Leverkusen, and uh, a, a a very, very valuable player at that. He has a uh, immense amount of talent. He's young. Yep. He's just twenty six right now, so definitely approaching the peak you know, prime, year yeah. of a striker. Yeah, a prime of a striker. He's approaching that age, so uh, definitely, if he gels well with Harry Kane, he could be a dream transfer signing for you guys. as a yep. as a striker and and he can he can actually replace harry kane if kane decides to move on from tottenham yes yes we have to plan for that eventuality because as long as there is no contract uh, we have to plan for that then you men- already mentioned about uh, 
the right back situation we have with royal and doherty is more like a backup right back so we have two backup right backs without a main right back and the uh, mazrao uh, from uh, ax he 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 catches my eye and like i think his contract also runs out uh, towards the end of this season so uh, he and he's young he's under 25 in my book so and the only reason he is not been playing for uh, morocco is because uh, hakim is there uh, like you know prime center forward uh, sorry center uh, right back so that's true you're talking about a lot of free transfers you're talking about uh, yeah. how uh, you could go for uh, so many free transfers this season any eyes on kylian mbappe oh yeah yeah so uh, my friend tom holland actually had a word with him and he's not quite interested there <laughs> to come in so yeah we are not uh, entertaining <laughs> more uh, so, so, searches in that direction so brilliantly realistic you are as a spurs fan <laughs> not going after Kylian Mbappe from Paris even if for a free transfer okay uh, but yeah talking about uh, talking about the spurs performances uh, in the recent past in the very recent past uh, you guys right now have four wins out of the last five matches which is in itself an amazing thing uh, considering how inconsistent your season has been after starting at a high and then going towards the low and then having a run of uh, you know victory loss victory loss kind of a trend so you guys have four wins in last five matches you beat manchester city but then you lost to burnley a week after that and if we talk about other competitions you went down to middlesbrough in the fa cup fifth round you were eliminated in the europa conference league group stage we have already spoken about these but my question to you is how long uh, till we see spurs lifting a silverware like how long will it be before we can actually see the men in white lifting a trophy above their heads with you know uh, with confetti going on and the fans celebrating and the singing and the chants and everything if conte is here we are definitely lifting one in the next 2 years but then uh, if he's not here but uh, i think there is like uh, if you see uh, Spurs uh, position in the top flight in the last 50 years right so there was a peak in the early 50s then there was a bit of peak in the uh, like you know they won couple of times in the 60s and then it has been kind of fading slightly slowly into uh, the, you know the middle table kind of a position and that was where we were till almost uh, 2010s early 2010s right and pochettino changed it all and it was a, the result of the investment in training field uh, like you know uh, what we did at enfield we invested in stadium then we are getting better deals so all of that has been uh, like there's a big variable of uh, you know what the efforts and the luck that we had with uh, uh, getting pochettino in the first place but that aside uh, Uh, there has been tangible movement in the right direction so if we are to extrapolate that and without uh, conte i would say uh, probably another 5 years because like there has been tangible movement in the right direction and there has been a bit of wobble in the last couple of years but if we compare our position to how we were something like 20 years back we are much much better <laughs> realistically five more years to go if you say uh, yep. 20 years yep. back uh, you were you're saying you realistically you're in a much better position 
uh, you said Pochettino came in and he turned around the tide in you know uh, in in some manner. But yep. uh, the silverware still continues to elude the Tottenham side. Yeah, exactly. That's true. And uh, uh, interestingly, you know, uh, pre two thousand or like you know uh, around ninety one ish kind of an era. Tottenham were known as the cup team right uh, so they had they had the highest number of FA cups more uh, like at some point in time and it got overtaken by some other team i'm not uh, really sure by whom I, it might be arsenal <laughs> but yeah arsenal arsenal currently <laughs> holds the record for most FA cup wins yeah, followed yeah, by yeah. manchester united yep yep uh, but at one point of time it was tottenham so tottenham were a cup team we were never uh, really uh, Camp, uh, so sorry, Premier League kind of a team. The last uh, league that we had won was uh, early sixties. Uh, so all in all, all in yep. all, the rivalry with Arsenal extends well beyond Premier League as well. It goes into the FA Cup trophies as well. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And uh, actually, uh, we are on the right side of uh, our rivalry right now because. <laughs> uh it uh, ever since the lester season we have been finishing above them and i frankly i uh, hold uh, that uh, the premier league position uh, in much more higher value than most fans so i no, i def- get it <laughs> i totally get it and yes you're 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 right in saying that you are on the right side uh, of the rivalry ever since the lester season but the current season Arsenal has a very good chance of overtaking you and finishing in the top four. Yeah, uh, agreed. They are they are, they are in the driver's seat and probably uh, like United and Tottenham are more dependent on Arsenal making a mistake rather than them doing all things right. Because with the games in hand, if all the teams do everything right, Arsenal still wins it. Gets to the top four position, right? Exactly. So exactly, they they are in the driver's seat right now. But uh, there's a North London derby which was uh, suspiciously postponed when they had yes. like one case, and uh, that's a six yes. pointer for us. So yeah, that's we that, are still, rubbing our still, hands together uh, for that oh, match right now. Definitely, that match is yet to come. Just like. Just like uh, Manchester City and Liverpool, the league final, so to say, uh, hypothetically, is uh, still to come. Similarly, the North London derby, yes, for for your rivalry, is still to come. Uh, you talk about Manchester United, uh, you talk about Liverpool. Their uh, uh, clash is still to come as well. That was also postponed from uh, last uh, last month. It was supposed to take place in March, and uh, yes, that's also still to come. So, uh, still uh, big matches left in this season. Uh, but would you say all in all, overall, considering all things, um, considering your recent form and everything, would you say Spurs is a happy camp right now with Antonio Conte at, in in charge? Yes, yes. Uh, this this is the best we have ever been since Poch left. To be frank, this is a uh, like uh, I thought. Like I had my preconceptions regarding on Antonio Conte, and I thought him. I thought uh, that he was. Another Mourinho, like he will uh, put his players under the bus when push comes to the shove, right? So he he has not quite done that, like, uh, uh, and he has been a bit more respectful towards 
the position that uh, Tottenham are in and what he can do with it and uh, uh, honest about his ambitions right so uh, like all that rubs into the players and having a manager like him uh, like uh, the players listen to him so, so, so can you say so so you can you can very safely say is it is it is it safe to say that uh, after losing to clubs like burnley after losing to wolves after losing to saints you lost to southampton you drew one with southampton as well this season you haven't been able to beat beat them and uh, so considering all these things you say spurs uh, the camp is still a happy camp right now with antonio conte uh, doing good at the top so is it is it safe to say that this is the reason that the top players heed antonio conte they listen to what he says they listen to what advice he gives to the players on how to perform the strategies that he formulates is it safe to say that this is the reason that spurs is the happiest in your words that the happiest they've ever been since spots left yes uh, and uh, a big part about why players would heed to conte is because he's been there he's done that so uh, so if there is a shortfall it's more likely from their end rather than from conte's end because he has proved everything that there is to prove so players by default might take a bit more ownership and that's just my assumption as a fan looking outside in might take more ownership and he uh, and conte is objectively a better coach so all of that rubs in to the morale and uh, honestly we didn't expect to be in this position because if you see most of the predictions pre this thing uh, the top 4 was already set uh, and united was there in the top 4 and then we were fighting with arsenal for either fifth or sixth and the even the prospect of getting into the fourth is an overachievement for this season and that is purely because conte is there all right all right that sounds good robin for for the for the last one any last words of advice from you to your gaffer antonio conte since you are the honorary gaffer's advisor <laughs> yes i i i will need to be a, a lot more pretentious to advise antonio conte but uh, what i would say him is uh, stick <laughs> with tottenham for a couple more seasons and uh, <laughs> because because that's, there are four that's a, that's, like a, that's a selfish fan that's a selfish <laughs> no, fan no, talking no no i'm i'm tell, talking it uh, from his best interest in mind because there are fans like siddharth who are still saying that uh, conte's clubs are doing uh, well despite him not being there despite them him uh, despite those clubs being managed by other managers so he needs to prove it tottenham that uh, you know he can do it at tottenham and the club will be better without him going forward so all those things he has to do so he'll need at least two years for that okay so your advice to antonio conte is just stick with tottenham for another two years act the least minimum 2 years right yes 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 i think that should do it uh, that should uh, you know get us a couple of trophies and you know kane might sign an extension we might get a couple uh, more great players and all those things might happen but he has to stay ah the bliss won't it be right <laughs> yep sounds good robin thank you thank you so much robin uh, i would like to you know uh, show my appreciation and my uh, gratefulness for your precious time and for coming on the show 
this really has been amazing and i hope you don't get to feel the pain that comes along with being a football fan too regularly and uh, i would like to wish uh, a best of luck to spurs for the rest of the season i hope they can give a tough fight for the top 4 and if not this season then the next season um, they can they can achieve the champions league spot and have the champions league football back at the new tottenham hotspur stadium so uh, yes and also i would like to wish you all the best for the upcoming transfer window hopefully this transfer window can topple the previous few transfer windows in a big sense so thanks a lot but before you. before you go before you take your leave robin would you mind giving a shout out to your friends and the footballing fraternity and maybe ask them to follow and subscribe to gaffer's advisor on spotify and google podcasts definitely definitely this is uh, i i i will be sending whenever this comes out i will be sending all the links to all my friends all the folks who follow football in my circle because i have personally heard uh, a lot of uh, episodes uh, of yours and they are super interesting and uh, i was uh, i was rubbing my hands together uh, looking forward to our talk and it has not uh, you know failed uh, my expectations and it's been as enjoyable as uh, uh, i had dreamed about i'm sure folks who love football will love this one i'm i'm glad to hear that really really appreciate it really glad to have that also uh, another interesting thing we also have an instagram page by the same name where the episodes updates are regularly posted along with little tidbits of trivia little tidbits of facts little tidbits of quizzes on the stories that are regular updates as well so uh definitely follow us on instagram uh, take a look uh, if you like it and again robin personally thank you so much thank you uh, very much for being on the show for being a part of this episode for uh, giving us so many insights into the tottenham hotspur football club what goes in what goes out um, how you feel as a fan how you have been feeling as a fan despite uh, the ups and downs the highs and lows that comes along with being a football club and a football fan really thank you so much and uh, wish you all the best for the rest of the season thank you siddharth same to you that was spurs fan my good friend and our honorary gaffer's advisor for today robin abraham with his views on tottenham hotspur football club after such an exciting discussion about the club from north london we are in for an equally exciting time ahead if not more cristiano ronaldo lionel messi and robert lewandowski have all qualified for the fifa world cup 2022 with portugal argentina and poland respectively Congratulations to them along with every other team which qualified and will be participating in the biggest festival of football the World Cup. But for now, Premier League has returned with match week 31 and so has the UEFA Champions League with the quarterfinals first leg matches in this coming week. So stay tuned to Gaffer's Advisor, your favorite football podcast and do not forget to follow and subscribe on Spotify and Google Podcasts for all the regular updates on future episodes. Please share it with your friends and family if you like the coverage and I would highly appreciate it if you could please take a moment and rate the podcast if you're listening in on Spotify. This rating will help the podcast grow and reach more football fans such as yourself. If you want to share any feedback or comment, you can reach out to me as gaffersadvisor@gmail.com or you can DM me on the Instagram page gaffersadvisor. 
You can also follow for some more interesting stats and stories along with the updates and the coverage of the episodes. Until next time, this is your host and Gaffer's advisor, Siddharth Kathuria, signing off. Thank you.